In the name of the Father and the Son and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. One of the things that I get to do often in my role as pastor is I get to visit with people, um, be it at a breakfast or a lunch at a restaurant, uh, sometimes it's at the hospital. Sometimes I think people are happy when I show up at the hospital. Sometimes less so. Uh, Let's face it, if you're in pain, the last thing you want to do is entertain somebody, uh, even at your bedside, Um, and especially someone who you know you can't swear or curse and be in a foul mood in front of, like your pastor. Um, When I visit with women in the hospital, it's interesting how often they will say, oh, I must look terrible, my hair. Like, I expect them to look really good the first day after post-op. But let's face it, like it or not, you're connected to these tubes, and you have these wonderful hospital gowns on, so you really can't go anywhere. You're stuck. Uh, I visit with people sometimes in their homes. You can learn more about a person in their home in half an hour than you can learn in six months sitting around a table at coffee hour. For example, um, when I first called on the Fritches, that was the first time I found out that Mike was into fantasy baseball. Um, Fran is a great gardener, I found out at Mari's graduation. Randy just cuts the lawn. Uh, It's kind of a small lawn. We used to have a family in the congregation, the Demerys. They were wonderful Irish immigrants, very hard workers. Whenever you called on the Demerys, no matter what time of the day, George would go to the cupboard and get just a wee shot of Irish whiskey. I always left the Demerys with a warm glow. (laughs) But I think we have sort of mixed feelings about visiting today. Doctors, you know, they just don't make house calls. Um, And I think also about being visited Um, You know, you got to make an appointment way in advance. Um, You would call first, right, people will say. Uh, We don't want people just stopping by. Uh, Just to make an appointment, you've got to get past the voicemail. And then if you actually make it to the door, you might hear the chain slide and the double lock turn. And then the door opens, creaking like it hasn't been opened in 25 years. We have mixed feelings about visiting and about being visited. Email, texting, it all keeps people at a safe distance. Which brings us to our lesson this morning from Matthew. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Jesus is talking about welcoming as a Christian virtue. And that's good, because, you know, so many of the things that Jesus asks are a little more demanding and challenging. Here, Jesus just wants us to show some basic hospitality, even a cup of cold water given in my name. He doesn't even ask for a whole meal, just a cup of cold water. And you find this injunction to hospitality 
throughout the scriptures. The Apostle Paul, for example, says to the Gentiles in his early church, don't ever forget, you were strangers. You Gentiles, you had nothing to do with the promises that God made to Israel, and yet God has, has sort of grafted you into the family. Now, you receive others as well. Practice hospitality. It's part of the faith of Israel all the way through the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 10. Never forget, you were a stranger. You were a nomad without a home. You didn't have any place to lay your head. But God made of you a family. God gave you a land to call your own and a home. Now, you receive the alien and the stranger who comes to your gates. Practice hospitality. And here's where we go from preaching to meddling. How can it be that in our congregation we ever have trouble lining up greeters? I mean, I understand why everybody doesn't want to get up in front of the congregation and, you know, public speaking. But greeting? I go to my gym. Three people greet me before I ever get to a machine. I'm like walking out sweating and gasping for air. Someone insists that I have a happy day. I was talking to somebody this week about which hospital has the best patient care. And I thought something that he said was really true. He said, it's all about um, how the person who cares for people in your room and your family this night, day, or weekend, it's how they care for you. That colors how you think about the whole thing. Is it really any different in terms of who's sitting in your pew, in your Section, the first three minutes after every worship service, you shouldn't talk to anybody who you already know. While somebody who knows nobody slithers out the side aisle. This is a ministry that applies to all of us. And since we are now off script, and I seem to be up on a soapbox, <laughs> let's just say that this applies to every aspect of our lives. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Should we really pretend that this core biblical conviction does not apply to how we deal with individuals and children and families who come to our borders? Is it really okay that our elected officials regularly refer to immigrants as the scum of the earth? The Bible doesn't give us an immigration policy for America or any other country. God has left that up to us. But surely we should expect more of our officials than what we are getting and more of our country than we are giving. Practice hospitality. One of the passages that comes to mind when I think about hospitality is that passage in the Gospels you remember Mary and Martha, the two sisters, and they welcome Jesus into their house one evening. And uh, Martha goes off to the kitchen to make a meal, and Mary sits at Jesus' feet and listens to him. They're both practicing hospitality. But I preached on the story of Mary and Martha one time, 
And a woman in the congregation helped me then to see something that I had never noticed. Um, I had extolled the virtues of Mary and Martha who opened their doors to this itinerant rabbi. And uh, she caught me at coffee hour. And she said, do you know what it's like to be a single woman? To open your door at night to a man? And I realized what Mary and Martha did was risky. It's called risky hospitality. And maybe that is why hospitality appears to be a kind of endangered virtue among us these days. I said it was a small virtue. I mean, it's not like offering your body to be burned at the stake or, or testifying in front of a whole group of hostile people. It's just opening your door. Just opening your door. That can be a very risky undertaking. To open a door to a stranger is to risk being encountered by that other. And it applies to every aspect of our lives. This time of year, I do a lot more weddings. And um, sometimes when I'm about to perform a wedding, I think to myself, as I look at this young bride and, and groom, um, who come from often very different families, with very different values, and sometimes they've only known each other a short time, a year, a year and a half, and I look at them and I think, you know, this is really nuts. I mean, what leads them to believe that these two very different people from different backgrounds can now become one flesh, as the Bible calls it? I don't say this to them, incidentally. <laughs> But sometimes I think it, because in a very real sense, I think that's what marriage is. Marriage is hospitality. It is learning to receive the other into your life, this other who is not you, and not even your idea of who you want them to be. And it is exposing yourself to the rich the changing otherness of this other human being. So marriage requires a willingness to constantly be surprised and to even enjoy this unfolding otherness. And there's something beautiful about that, but it can also be risky. And the way I see it, when you get good at receiving the stranger in marriage, that's when they give you children. And that is when you really begin to receive strange people into your life. <laughs> now, as a parent, um, I, this came as a shock to me, maybe to you. These people are not carbon copies. They are not just miniature me's ready to you know, be molded just the way I want them to be. These people are strange. I don't know these people. I have heard some of you say, when your kids got to be in middle school and high school, they actually become their own people. And receiving them into your life can be risky and humbling. I'll tell you, you go home from being up here in the pulpit where you're telling everybody how it is, and you go home, it's one thing to be brought down to earth by your wife. 
who never does that, never does that. But it is another thing to be brought down by your seven-year-old. Will Williman, who used to be the chaplain at Duke University, talks about a time he's sitting at the breakfast table with his wife and his very young daughter. And somehow he brings up that he is heading off to, I think it was Minneapolis, for a speaking engagement. And uh, his daughter said, well, why would they invite you to speak across the nation? And uh, his wife chimed in. She said, well, Daddy is invited by many people to speak about God and to tell them important things. And without missing a beat, the daughter responded, well, I hope you tell them more than you tell us. And Will said he looked at his wife across the table, and I can empathize. Maybe some of you can. You know, where did these people come from, and who invited them into the family anyway? <laughs> Practice hospitality. It can be risky to receive the stranger, because there is also a sense in which the stranger, of course, who is the recipient of our hospitality, they also receive us. They meet us. They intrude into our lives. Jesus is there with Mary and Martha. He doesn't just show up for a meal. No, he shares something of who he is. And then he raises questions about who they are. You remember? Martha. Martha, you're worried and you're distracted about so many things. Only one thing is really needful. To receive the stranger is to risk the stranger receiving us and perhaps also to change us in the process. And maybe that is why hospitality seems to be so difficult to find these days. Maybe that's why the double locked doors and the gated communities and the new homes built with decks on the back rather than porches on the front where, God forbid, you would have to talk to a neighbor A couple of years ago, a pastor friend of mine went to preach at a church in Raleigh, and it was a revival service at a metropolitan community church. If you're not familiar, that's sort of the gay church in America. And uh, they gave him a theme for the, uh, for, the, for the revival, loving others in the name of Christ. And he said it was wonderful. He said, you know, the singing was great. He gave his sermon. The people were gracious to him. At the coffee hour, these two men came up to him, and one of them said, oh, that was a great sermon. I wish my sister had heard that sermon. And just in case you don't know this, we preachers hate when you say that somebody else should have heard the sermon. It's always somebody else. He said, yeah, I wish you could have heard that sermon. Bob and I have been partners for the last year and a half, and our union was solemnized right here about six months ago. I was so excited. I wanted my family to get to know Bob and to love him as much as I do. And so we, we both, I know we shouldn't have done this, but we just, we got in the car and we drove all the way up to Vermont where my sister lives. And on the way we prayed, Lord, Help us to help, the, help her to receive us. And so, so we went up there and 
We went up on the porch and knocked at the door. My sister came to the door. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. We embraced. And then I said, and this is Bob. I want you to meet Bob, my partner. And with that, she said, look, this is a Christian home. And I want you to get off my porch. And I want you to turn around and go back from wherever you came from. And don't ever come up here again. Because it turns out that Christians, sometimes in the name of Jesus, are the least hospitable people on the face of this earth. Matthew 25. When it's all said and done and the judgment comes, how will we be judged? By our adherence to a doctrine of the virgin birth? by believing in the inerrancy of scripture or five essential fundamentals, you know. You know what it says. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Just a little everyday, risky, demanding hospitality. And maybe that's why you show up at church on Sunday, because you know this is the place where God welcomes you. We call this God's house, where God has invited you. But if you are familiar with worship, you also know it's not just God receiving us. It's also about us receiving God. And Maybe that's why so few people go to church these days. They say they believe in God, but they really don't want God intruding into the way they think or the way they do things. A friend of mine said he preached a Sunday, a sermon one Sunday, and he, he said a couple of things. And afterwards, he was you know, shaking hands at the back of the church and uh, this one person really hadn't liked something that he said and was sort of calling him out on that. This confirmation student had been assigned to take notes for him that day. And he listened to all of this and watched the person sort of storm out the door. And this eighth grader said, well, I guess she didn't want to be as close to Jesus as she thought, did she? Maybe you've had that experience. You come to worship praying that children's prayer, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. I'm telling you, that can be risky business. College student was uh, doing, I guess, sort of some kind of internship in the inner city with a group of Jesuits at an old Catholic parish downtown. And it had been a long day. I mean, they had been there since sunup, feeding hungry people and giving out clothes. It was now about 6 o'clock in the evening, and this old Jesuit brother was closing the great doors of this rundown Catholic church. Down the sidewalk, there came a disheveled-looking man just shuffling his way along the sidewalk. 
The college student, student looked up and he said, oh man, another one, Jesus Christ. The old Jesuit stared out there and said, could be. <laughs> Better open the door. <laughs> you could think of Sunday as your risky, courageous attempt to just show a little hospitality to the person in the pew next to you. That goes without saying. But what I mean is hospitality to God. Because maybe if we just got good enough at receiving the stranger among us as brother or sister, maybe if we could get good enough at being shocked and delighted at those who we think of as others, then maybe we would be ready to receive the stranger in our lives. Last book of the Bible, the third chapter of Revelation the risen Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Will you? Will we? Open the door. Amen.